Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast. This is Quincy. I'm here with Ron, Cheryl, and Kelsey. Today's topic is going to be obesity, kind of definition of what it is, kind of what the causes are. We're just going to dive in depth into this one. And this podcast we think is a little bit longer. We might split it up into two. We're really passionate and excited about this, but we wanted to share some stats with you and just kind of give you guys some a more deep dive into this topic. So Ron, to start out, let's have you kind of go into depth talking about kind of just what, a little bit of the history of obesity and also what is it so we can kind of have a framework to go from here on out. From histor- historical aspect, you can go back in history and always seen people who are always bigger, but it wasn't till the mid-1900s that we actually used a uh, term called BMI or body mass index to put people in different categories. And what a BMI is or how you calculate it is you basically take your body weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared, and it gives you a different, gives you a number, and then they have a different range for what's normal, underweight, overweight, obese, obese category one, two, three, four, and keep going. At what point is it obese, according to BMI? By BMI standards, obesity starts at 30. But that, I mean, I recognize that's a very controversial definition yes. of obesity. And, and, and I hate it because it doesn't tell us what's making up the weight. It just says, because you have, could have huge legs with no waist circumference or that idea and put you in the obese category. Like and, a bodybuilder, maybe. Exactly. So again, a lot of times I use the, the definition or expand, or uh, I use the idea for patients that, and I know this is very stereotypical, so don't be offended by this, that I'll have a, a female sitting in my office who has a normal BMI. But when I'm looking at her, it doesn't look like she has any muscle mass at all, or very little, but she has a normal BMI. So is there, theoretically, is she healthy? Versus that bodybuilder, that large muscle-bound guy who is in the overweight, if not the obese category, and I can't find an ounce of fat on them, which one's healthier? If you go by BMI, she is. If you go by what's making up the weight, he is. So again, BMI is not very good. not a good system to look at it. So don't, and unfortunately, that's what we use in the medical field as a BMI. Oh, your BMI is this, so this is your risk factor. It's, there's a lot of different factors that goes into it. Okay. But with that idea... The, when it comes to obesity or to weight issues, this is the only metabolic problem or metabolic, metabolic or health-related issues that we actually blame the patient. If they come in with depression or high blood pressure or um, a fracture, we don't blame them for it. 
okay for the fracture. We go, okay, was that the great... <laughs> The best choices but we don't blame them for it we go we have a solution oh here's a pill here's a uh, way of doing that or we need to do surgery but when it comes to weight we go you need to do something why because i have no clue with how to treat it for most doctors so that's where patients always felt discouraged and a lot of times the doctor would say you need to eat less and exercise more and they would try it and either succeed and be miserable and hungry or try it and not see any success and the doctor would go well you're not doing what i told you to do well yeah i am no you're not no yeah they are but it's just not working for them and it does work for some people but majority of people it doesn't and i think this might be one of those times when you can use the phrase when you know better you do better and as a medical community, we didn't even acknowledge obesity as a disease until 2013. So the, the science and the research behind it is relatively new. And we're still delving into what is the best treatment? How do we help our patients succeed in this? Um, and so there's a lot more that goes to obesity than just this is your overall fat mass. But I like the terms that I've read in a couple of books when those of us who fatten easily so when we can do the same thing as our best friend but we gain weight those are the things we have to delve into exactly and we got to figure out why that's happening for this population and not that population and everybody's slightly different so all the recommendations we give if it works for you great if it doesn't this might not be the solution or we need to delve farther into it correct um i think so oh go ahead kelsey Okay, I was about to say the Obesity Medicine Association, their definition of obesity, I think, captures the complexity of obesity because it mentions that it's a chronic, relapsing, multifactorial neurobehavioral disease. Oh. Yeah, so we can't just say yes. you're lazy, fat, gluttonous, sitting around doing nothing. Well, we and can, this disease is your fault. It's no, wrong. We can, that. but it's wrong. By I all won't accounts, argue that. So. I'm just saying we can say it, but definitely wrong <laughs> and, and i think kelsey highlights the complexity of this disease i love yeah, it because it is very complex and the chronic the relapsing i just i think that's probably the best definition i've come across i agree um, yeah for obesity how about a, a, the state of the union i mean we're, we're based in the united states so maybe we can reference the kind of numbers in the united states but um i know that there's a lot of research that are showing that where we're at metabolically now versus even when my parents were little, our grandparents were little, um, maybe we can look delve into those numbers a little bit. Yeah, I think where we're headed is kind of scary. It's predicted that by 2030, one in two Americans will be overweight or obese. Okay. And why is that even a problem? Who cares? Like, why, why are we so passionate about obesity medicine? The reason why is because obesity is linked with higher increase of diabetes and heart disease and cancer and stroke and all of these chronic diseases that impact our quality of life. But it also puts a high... Um, stress on the medical system or the the cost of health care and if we go on the same route we can't su we, we, we can't support up. it we don't have the framework mm. to, to sustain this projection exactly okay so it's, it's difficult we've got to change things unfortunately we don't know what to do yeah so it's kind of scary that statistic is scary but then also in this day and age, we have more supplements and weight loss programs than we ever have, but there's still obesity is continuing to climb. Like, that's a public health pandemic. 
It it's, is. It's a crisis for sure. What's the official terminology? Is it pandemic or epidemic? Or I would say I don't pan- know the difference between the two. I would say I, I use epidemic, but pand is just because diffuse across not just the United States, the world. other nations are having the exact same problem, and unfortunately. And that's one another deficiency of the BMI is we want to put everybody into that category and different ethnic groups do not fit into the standard Caucasian, African-American BMI, which is basically the same. If it's more South Asian or Polynesian or all these other categories, not everybody fits in the same envelope. Okay. Interesting. Very good point. Mm Mm-hmm. So the, the reason I bring that up is we're starting to see a huge um, boom in diabetes and um, other heart-related issues in the South Asian population, but their body is not reaching the BMI. Oh, you're now under the obese category. There's a smaller. So they're jumping there quicker, and they're switching over to diabetes faster than those of us who can fatten easily and put it in safer areas. Obesity is the most chronic disease in the United States. Yes. So let that sink in for just a sec of really the, the epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. This is what we have going on. And you guys also referenced the fact that the issue with obesity is not just that, it, oh, okay, we have obesity, but it's the chronic health issues that happen due to this or very strong Um, relationship between oh you're obese you're more likely to have these disease states Mm -hmm. and the number one killer is the united states i i don't want to say numbers because i I don't have that information in front of me like isn't heart disease an issue cancer cancer and are all these things a lot of these are related to Mm -hmm. obesity and we're starting to see a huge problem with dementia alzheimer's which is a huge factor in a lot of wear and tear maybe not die right away risk factor but puts more cost on the whole system and to go to the other spectrum we have a whole generation of obese children which makes sense because when you have insulin resistant or obese mothers when they're during their pregnancy that goes straight on to the children and that's why we're seeing the obesity and heart disease and diabetes so much sooner than we used to years before Exactly. And, and that's with the mothers. And then if you add dad on top of it, so studies have shown, and we can quote well, numbers on, and stuff. come on, contribution is like nothing. I <laughs> won't argue that, but if he is also overweight or obese, the risk factor for the child goes up even higher. Probably so genetically, but also maybe Genetically, lifestyle. environmental, exactly. Okay. And another cause that we haven't really even delved into is we've got genetics that are playing against us. We've got environmental, but we've also got this hormonal response that's happening that we really have to get all of these into a neutral state. Exactly. So that's why, we, that's why we're so passionate and we want to talk about these things and look at all these different aspects to help you figure out what's the best way for you route for you so i have a question um just as we're talking here this came to my mind um why why have do we having such drastic increases um in obesity numbers across the united states i know that that's multifactorial there could be a lot of reasons but i want to hear what you guys' opinions are why do you suppose that it's increasing so much in the united states kelsey go for it oh all right <laughs> um I think part of it is going to be um, what I consider food deserts, mm-hmm. um, which I, um, and so that's just looking at our food system in general and um, people. It's interesting 
the statistically speaking, people who are most who have obesity right now, um, adults and kids live in lower income areas and don't have access to um, fresh produce. And I mean, they have the McDonald's, but they don't have a grocery store that they can walk to. Or they have a convenience um, store that's close by. Or a convenience store, yeah. Um, and gas station food is not going to be the most uh, nutritious. Um, so I think um, when I was in college, that was like the biggest thing, hardest thing for me to grasp was like, okay, if you don't have enough money um, to, you know, to pay all your bills and have the food you want to eat, um, to eat, you would think maybe they would be like, or have even food. Some families can't even feed their kids um, and family, um, but they're actually more at risk for obesity. So I think we because have to look it- at. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was no, go ahead. Probably due to the quality of the food that they're eating, it sounds like, is what you're saying. Quality mm-hmm. of food, yes. And I mean, and then genetically speaking and different things like that and stress, all those hormones playing into role. But we have to look at it, address it from a public health standpoint as well, um, I think, because um, what we're doing so far is not helping. Um, and then uh, that's where I'll leave it right now. And I'll come back and add different causes. Well, with that, with that idea, if I will pull up the CDC numbers, or at least look at the graph they have, there is a band that kind of goes right down almost on the eastern side of the United States from uh, Michigan all the way down to uh, Mississippi and um, Florida. No. New York, Connecticut, Texas. Massachusetts. <laughs> <California>. <laughs> Alaska. I want to say New Orleans, but. Um, Louisiana. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But right there and then back up towards. Uh, Kansas is were the worst, at least according to the numbers, those are the highest with uh, more than 35% of the, the patient population fits into the obesity category. So there are, I mean, higher education levels are associated with lower risks of obesity. Yes. So, I mean, obesity is, um, it hits the people who are already, you know, struggling. I don't okay. think it's... Um, I can't think of the right word. We are struggling it. this morning. Edit. We are. Um, <laughs> Don't know why I can't go to Los Angeles. Or <laughs> Louisiana. Louisiana. Los Angeles. I'm at LA. Meh, Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> Let's just throw that one in there, too. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Oh so we, um, I asked my the question I asked was just why like why is increasing you talk about food deserts you, lower income people not as access great as access to good quality food because it's more expensive um, you could even go into a little bit that the government supplements the less expensive stuff the processed stuff mm-hmm. and so those are cheaper mm-hmm. um, also increased another thing to talk about how about increased um, sugar is that oh definitely oh, that's playing yes. a role. Cheryl, let's have Kelsey you take that Kelsey got so one. excited, I thought she was going on. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that part. My earbuds had, are cut out or whatever. Go ahead. Take sorry. it on. Sugar. Okay. So let's go back to um, processed foods and sugar. Okay. So one of those yep. main causes is this processed sugar that's in so much of our packaged foods. Um, I believe food manufacturers are brilliant and how they have... Um, process the food so they're very palatable to our and why our brain so we want to eat more of it um, and it's also been people think that the processed foods are cheaper um, and when I talk about like processed sugars I'm talking about the ones that um, if you think like white bread white rice 
the bran and the fiber and the nutrients have been stripped from it. So it may taste better, it may be cheaper, um, but definitely not as healthy. Um, and then all the extra sugar in our bodies, um, the insulin resistance that comes from that. And that's where I'll hand it over to Dr. Rigby and Cheryl to talk about insulin resistance. Yeah, and we've done a whole podcast on insulin resistance, so I'd refer back to that one. Mm -hmm. But insulin resistance is definitely driving the obesity epidemic. Okay. And I think the more we learn about the insulin resistance and leptin resistance and these hormonal responses that are happening, the better off we'll be as a, as a society. Okay. So I want to talk like leptin resistance. Should yeah, we haven't it? talked about leptin resistance. What is this leptin of which you speak? I think it's very similar <laughs> to insulin resistance where leptin is the, the hormone that's telling your body to... Is leptin the... Now I forgot. Leptin is telling you're feeling full. Yes, yes. leptin so, is the lack of it. So if it's not working, it's it's like you're getting onto the freeway, but there's more and more cars getting on and it's going to get more and more jammed up. So you never feel that satiety or I'm full. So I had a friend in college um, who, had younger brother, didn't have the ability to tell when he was full. Mm -hmm. So their family had mm -hmm. to put locks on the fridge and the freezer because he was a um, he was mentally disabled. So his he didn't recognize that he was overeating and so and i'm guessing that's a lack of leptin or is that the gremlin well, hormone that we've so talked no. about before leptin it's all leptin yeah. their brain the hypothalamus reads all of these so it must have been something wrong with his yeah hypothalamus. basically the hypothalamus isn't getting the the signal re leptin to say he's full and again it we, we blame just leptin there's multiple other hormones um 16 Oh, okay. That we know of. Yes. That we know of, right? <laughs> As of right now, they're 16. Um, people ben with Dickman amnesia needs to get on it. Who <laughs> <laughs> needs to find the rest of them? Ben Dickman? <laughs> <laughs> well, because we can find them. Now the problem is we don't know how to deal with them yet. We know them, but we don't know how to solve some of those issues. Okay. And Kelsey, what were you saying? Okay. Sorry. Well, uh, patients who have amnesia um, also have, they can't tell when they're full either. So we have uh, similar... Mm. problems with people who have amnesia brain um tbis or things like that tbi so what is traumatic that, brain that also injury. goes oh, into some you. of the mental health disorders also like bipolar schizophrenia um anxiety depression though that connection between the hypothalamus and the gut where all these hormones are hanging out it gets messed up hence another reason obesity is an issue correct mm. okay yep. okay other mental health stuff I know we've talked about it in the past, but... Mental health is highly linked with obesity. Okay. And I think it goes back to everything we said before. So you mentioned schizophrenia. What were the other things that you uh, mentioned? Bipolar, bipolar, anxiety, depression. All related. Mm -hmm. And there's, yeah. there's a scientifically shown that there's an increase in those areas if you are having issues with obesity. But then on top of that, the medicines we use to deal with those things are also weight positive or can make it harder for the patient to get the signal to say they're full, therefore they eat more. Oh, interesting. So let's talk about medication because I don't think this is addressed enough that sometimes the medication you're taking for something else is also making you gain weight or hold it on. Before we delve into that, remember to stay on your medications until you talk to your doctor. <laughs> Our medical disclaimer. But it's important to note, right? Because you don't want to make some changes on your medication right. that can really wreak havoc on your entire life if you're not working with somebody who knows what they're doing. Very true. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's talk about medications um, and their effect on obesity. So starting with the psychological medicine, some of the classes like SSRI or serotonin reuptake inhibitors, 
most of those can or would consider weight positive, meaning it can cause or lead to excess weight gain. So those can. Um, He's talking about the Zoloft, Prozac. Right. Luvox, Lexapro, Selexa, all these brand name type things. They're also generic names, but don't worry about those. Um, but then you've got the mood stabilizers, which are also very weight positive. Abilify, Lamictal. Um, lithium. Lithium. Um, so a lot of medicines that we're using to deal with these things um, can make it so you're hungrier or not getting that signal through. And then you come back and go, but doc, I'm gaining weight. Well, it's just because your eating habits. No, because those medicines can make it a lot worse. And there's a lot more. So if we didn't list it, which we, there's way too many. So many. There's so many. Have that discussion with your doctor or at least do some research. Not saying we want you to stop it, but. We absolutely do not want you to stop your medication. But at least have that discussion with the doctor is one. Can we switch to something else that might be less weight positive? But just because the studies show that it's weight negative or weight neutral doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So that's where working with your your healthcare provider to figure out the right direction for you. Because the medicine you're on might be the best one for you. And then we might have to deal with other aspects. So you talk about um, mental health medications. Are there other medications that could also influence your weight? Most of the old diabetic medications. Okay. Wait, the Examples? diabetic medications that are supposed to make you better? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because most of them go, the old thought processes, you just need more insulin. So most of them went and told your pancreas to produce more. When, if we've talked about before, insulin's a weight-positive hormone. So it causes us to gain weight. So when we're eating something that bumps up your insulin, then we add a medicine that tells our pancreas to make more, just makes the problem worse. And then if that doesn't work, we add or inject insulin on top of it. So the number, their A1C can go down, but they gain weight, and the oxidation in the vessels get worse, and we can make things a lot worse overall. Because we have a high levels of insulin in our blood. Okay. Any other medications? Um, some of the heart disease medications can also cause weight gain. Okay. Steroids. Um, contraceptives. Yeah, contraceptives, for sure. Any hormonal replacement therapy. Okay, I'm going to say the anti-epileptic drugs, which is very similar to the bipolar um, and mental health disorders. The drugs are typically the same. Um, Allergy medications? Yeah. Yes. Even ibuprofen can cause you to hang on to a little extra water weight. Nothing significant, but things like over-the-counter, you do have to be careful and watch it. So I'm listening to our podcast, and I'm thinking dang, I'm, I'm taking a lot of medications that could be affecting this, right? So when you want to consult with your healthcare practitioner, Absolutely. you really want to work closely with them. What if the determination is made that, no, you need to stay on this medication? And maybe this is delving into like what we should do, but quick thoughts. What, what, what can I do as a listener who has to take a medication to be able to stay on top of my obesity? I forget with an obesity specialist, somebody who has taken extra education and time to learn more about obesity, just like you would go to an ortho- orthopedist if you broke your arm. You want to go to a specialist, and I'd bring a specialist on board. Cool. And and then and have that discussion. But even um, that's where if you can't do anything with the medicines, let's maybe double back down onto the dietary changes. How's my sleep habits? How about my exercise? Deal with the things you can control. I'm not arguing with Cheryl. Come see us, or go go look for a provider who can deal with these things. But what can you do to kind of ramp up your effect 
outside of just the medicine. Okay. And sometimes what you've always done in the past is not going to work anymore because that's the fun part of obesity is it'll work, work, work. And then all of a sudden everything changes. And then what you were doing before no longer works. And that's where you have to be open and willing to try multiple different treatments. And it is like, if we go back to the definition, it is a chronic relapsing disease. Um, And so, yes, and our body likes to adapt and learn from previous things you have tried. And, so that's why. And using the easy. term from a couple of books is those of us who fatten easily, our body's gonna wants to be heavier, so it's gonna try to find something that's gonna work to keep them in a comfort zone or that. And we go so. back to the cause. It's because our body wants to survive. Like our mechanisms, biologically speaking, it wants to survive famines and things like that. So yes, if our body wants, if we've gone through like a starvation period or a diet because it can't distinguish the difference, it's going to um, hold on a little, to a little bit more weight so that it can survive the next So this diet is interesting or, as you guys are saying. Um, I didn't realize this, that our body wants to be fat. Is that what you were saying? No, I think some people's body is just more inclined to carry more fat than others. Okay. But not that it necessarily, it, it, our bodies are primal and they want to go into more of a survival mode like Kelsey's saying. Okay. So if you've gone through like a really restrictive fasting state, right? Um, and now your your body's more like euphoric or neutral, then it's going to want to hang on to extra weight so that in the future, if there's another famine, we can survive. Okay. It has a comfort zone that it wants to stay within a certain realm. So again, the hormone levels, the... Are you talking about like set point? Yes, that's what I couldn't think of. Set point is that your body has that set point that it wants to be at. It doesn't want, it has a hard time. You can, even in tests where overfeeding, where they're eating and eating and eating, they gain weight. But as soon as the test is over or whatever, their bodies will reset back to that normal level. And bringing up what Cheryl did, if we put you on a starvation where we're putting less energy in and trying to drive it down, as soon as that study is over it'll gradually go back so it has that whole idea or at least that's the theory behind it is your body has a certain range that it wants to be in but that's where the whole debate is how can we change the metabolic aspect if we can get more muscle which is more metabolically active versus trying to get rid of the visceral fat or getting rid of the fat overall that's a whole other aspect but again where's the fat located going back to that whole idea of not just a bmi but where is the whole fat or that metabolically active or inactive or less receptive tissue located? Well, hearing what you're saying, that makes sense to me a little bit as to why um, yo-yo dieting or trying out diets, Mm -hmm. um, people struggle because as soon as they're done with it, all of a sudden your body goes back to that set point. And and the more that you've done this yo-yo-y dieting thing, and again, very stereotypical where a lot of women have been trying to do it for a long period of time and if it wasn't the right thing for them like i said that yo-yo they go back so sometimes fixing some of that metabolic health is a lot harder so that's why we yeah, and it people, raises your every restrictive diet you go on your set point number actually goes up because your body wants to survive say that again i want i think that's an important thing to say Okay, so every um, diet, calorie restrictive diet you go on, your set point is going to go up because your body is trying to protect itself and it's going to try to survive. So that's one way to change your set point, but in the wrong direction. 
in the wrong direction. Yes. yes. Interesting. And that's why one of the thing, one of the reasons why we don't focus on calories is trying to put less fuel in isn't the right way. We've got to put the right type of fuel in and fix some of these issues. Therefore, could allow us to find or recreate a new set point at a lower level. But again, it's, it's more about what's making up that weight, not the number on the scale. And then, so, okay, so that's a bad way to affect my set point. What are ways that I can affect my set point positively? Exercise. Okay. Sleep. So Sleep. getting more muscle. Yes. Right. Exercise for yes. sure. Yeah. Decreasing my fat, visceral fat in my body? Yes. Again, exercise can definitely help with that. Getting that fat around your belly, not the stuff you can grab around your belly. Not the love but the, handles. Not the love handles. This is the <laughs> stuff that's deep, kind of like the whole idea of the beer belly, that bigger, that guy with that heart, you bump into him, it's like his, his stomach's rock hard and going, how can that be rock hard? Because all the fat deep to it puts him at higher risk. Okay. And that's called the visceral fat. That that's fat the that visceral. hangs around the organs and leads to fatty liver and heart disease and diabetes. And that's, the, that's the bigger issue. Yes. That's the biggest yeah. issue, not the subcutaneous, which is right below the skin and between the muscles. So the stuff you can grab, the back of your arm, um, your love handles, the inner thigh, that's good, technically good fat because that's a place where that your body can put extra energy that you have put in a storage place that's not a dangerous or as risky place okay anything else we want to talk about with obesity we've had a good discussion about this um any other thoughts on this we talked a little about causes the reasons it's a problem the current state of the union um we'll reference a lot of these web pages as well and within our on our show notes to be able to kind of discuss you know you can look at this the cdc information that you have there for us dr rigby um any anything else you guys want to share just a message of hope. Like we, we've expressed a lot of doom and gloom today um, regarding the obesity epidemic. But um, I think one of the other reasons we're so passionate about what we do is because we see on a daily basis people transforming their lives and making overall progress that will re- lead to lifestyle changes and habits that are forever, not just in the moment, quick, I'm going to lose weight, and then it comes right back and in, into that diet cycle trap. And it, it is that multifactorial, and we've got to look at all these different aspects and looking for the positive, not just on the scale, to make those judgments. And again, it's a journey. We're all going to try to make an ongoing, you're not going to succeed every day, but what can I do to pick myself up, go back to what was working, that got us going this, on this route, and let's keep picking yourself up and get going again. Yes. And I was like, take your experiences and learn from it Um, where you are today. I mean, I think life tends to throw obstacles our way and just take it and learn from it. So when that experience happens again, um, you handle it a little bit better and manage the chronic disease. Don't get overwhelmed by all the stuff that we said, but just keep at it. You know, you just keep, Mm -hmm. keep swimming. And I think if you are someone who has struggled and you tried all of the lifestyle interventions, um, reach out to an obesity specialist. The OMA, you can get on their website and find somebody who's local or close to you. Um, they're, they're, if you don't have anybody in your area, let us know, and we'll try and reach out and find you someone. Yeah, check on our Facebook group, ask the question. We can kind of help connect you with the individuals that can help you. Absolutely. The specialist is very important because they'll understand a lot more than just the primary care doctor. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. 
Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Wait Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.